This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hello, everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. And it's been it's been a busy couple of weeks here. We've, we've just had the rollout for our brand new book, No Longer Little. Parent- that, yeah, that was really fun. You know, you, I feel so nervous whenever we write a new book and we give it out to reviewers because I'm like, ah, will they like it? It's kind of like showing your baby pictures. You know, you just think, are they going to, are they going to think it's ugly? Are yes. they going to, are they going to say, oh, it looks just like you, blah. You know, but but I, I have been pretty happy with the reviews that have been coming back. Oh my word. They have been so encouraging. They really have. Yeah. And because we really, really have been looking forward to do, writing this book because there's nothing out there about well, parenting twins. Nothing. Well, I mean, it was something that, I mean, we just realized when we were, um, you know, starting to look at the demographics of people that were signing up for our Facebook group and the things that we heard back from and the things that people were asking questions about. We realized so many people are struggling with their middle schoolers. And that seems to be an area where folks just kind of run out of advice. And, you know, we struggled with it. Well, it certainly caught us flat-footed. And the only thing you can find is, oh, you think it's bad now? Wait for the twin. Wait for the teens, which you know for me was scary. Yeah, because the the tweens were so hard. What nobody, literally nobody, told us mm-hmm. is that if you can get through the tweens with your relationship with your child intact, the teens can get better and better. Yeah. And, and that's that's great because, you know, so much of the advice you see on the teenagers is like, well, you know, they're just that way and it's just tough. You just got to kind of hope that, that that you make it through. And uh, no, I, I think that that's really, that's a defeatist attitude. It's an unnecessary attitude. And I don't think it's a biblical attitude either. And so, so we wrote, so we wrote this book, No Longer Little, Parenting Tweens with Grace and Hope, because honestly, what we've found is that. If you can make it through those few years and when they're in middle school, the year the years they're in high school can be awesome. Yeah, they really can. And so anyway, we've been getting back great reviews. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a stressful couple of weeks because we've got several kids backpacking through Europe. And right. so they are they start posting things when they wake up in the morning, which is still way too early for us to be up in the morning. They're five hours different from our time zone, so yeah. Yeah. So, so they're, yeah, we're, we're getting chimes on our phone at, uh, yeah, <laughs> three <laughs> in the morning and stuff like that. <laughs> but they're having a great time and I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're getting yeah. a chance. Our oldest son and our fifth son are traveling together. Uh-huh. And I'm really glad that they're getting that chance to, to spend time together and work on their relationship. And our second son had the opportunity to join them mid route. And so they, that they were kind of like the three musketeers visiting the old homeland in Scotland. And so it was, it, this has been great. Great opportunity for them all. Uh, look, we want to say a real big hello to our new listeners on iHeartRadio. We are now part of the iHeartRadio podcast offerings. Awesome. Uh, of course, now our, our network is the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. And so we're always thankful for, for uh, UHRN. But as far as syndication services out there... You know what? You can catch us on Android. You can catch us on iTunes. But now you can get us on iHeartRadio, too. So hello if you're out there. 
thank you so much. We hope we'll see you around and be able to serve you a long time there. Um, okay. When, so hmm? we're on our annual riding retreat. Yeah. When we come to the lake and the kids fish and swim and kayak and mm-hmm. we do some of that too, but we also work on our new books and recharge for the new year. And one of the things we do is we read a lot. We bring like crates of books down here. And I, I don't even know the count of stuff I've read, but you know what? I read, I read a really interesting book just a couple of weeks ago. I finished this up and I think this may be the most significant book that I'm going to read in some time. This is, it's got an incredibly long title. Well, actually the title is very short. The title is I Jen, uh, little I, big G, little E, little N. IGN, but the subtitle is Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood, and What That Means for the Rest of Us. Wow. Yeah, that's a long title. And it is by Dr. Jean Twangy. That's actually how it's pronounced. It's spelled T W E N G E if you want to look up the book. But Dr. Twangy is a professor of psychology at the. Uh, uh, University of California in San Diego or San Diego State, I believe it is, and she studies generational differences. Okay. She's she's done studies on the millennial generation, on Gen X, and she said she found something really strange happening in the group that was born about 1995 and later. Okay, uh, what she said she found was that a whole bunch of trend lines just suddenly went. You know, went haywire. They they made sudden jumps, which doesn't typically happen with demographic trends. And she's traced it all back through a whole bunch of different studies. She's traced it all back to this one thing: people that were born 1995 and since that time have grown up with smartphones in their hands. Okay. You know, she says this is this explains so many things we're seeing in right now the the current college culture. The first of this group has just graduated from college. And so we're talking about, you know, 25-year-olds and less. And she said, there's a whole lot of things that that are coming about because these young people are growing up continually online. Well, you know, we've noticed with, uh, as our children that age, our third and fourth son have gone to college, that, yeah, we're seeing some different, they're, they're reporting back to us differences that they're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, in their cohort there at college that mm-hmm. are hard to explain. If you don't, if you don't see that as a root cause, and that, yes. that's one of the things that I found very, very convincing about Dr. Twangy's book, you know, cause she doesn't, she's, she's looking at data sets that have like 11 million members in them. So it's right. not like little samples. This is a huge sample. And she said, <clears throat> she said that um, a lot of the things we're seeing about, the attitudes of college students, the attitudes of high school seniors right now, you know, compared to high school seniors in previous generations, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. And it really confirms some of the things that we were already talking about in our book, No Longer Little, in the chapter talking about young people in technology and how do we handle middle schoolers in technology. I was kind of surprised how many of the reviewers <laughs> mentioned that chapter as being particularly helpful. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it was one among many things that we were writing about, but I guess it's something that folks aren't, we talk about being screen free and trying to get yeah. our kids off the devices and off the screens, Right. but I don't think there's a whole lot of talk. 
Y'all, we're at the lake. Kids are coming and going. I'm sorry. Sorry about the background. <laughs> um, can we do that a little bit more gently, dear? Thank you. Um, <laughs> we're not talking about... I don't, I don't hear a lot of people talking about why this stuff is going on and what's mm-hmm. important. And the effect it's having mm-hmm. socially yep. and intellectually mm-hmm. and emotionally as these kids are moving into puberty and, and beyond. And yet the, the, the reality is that young people, when they graduate from high school, it's, it's just expected that they're going to be literate in using these electronic tools. They're going to have to they're, be. They're going to, I mean, if they're going to interact. To apply for a job or to turn, turn in a paper on campus, they're going to have to They're be. going to have to be comfortable using these tools and being able to protect themselves against the things that will distract them at the yeah. least. And could destroy them at really, the worst. Yeah, could be absolutely destructive in, in other cases. And so, you know, how do you manage this? How do you walk this tightrope with your young people? And I think that's one of the reasons people responded to it. They feel that tension. And on the one hand, I remember reading somebody said said that they had taken their their daughter in for her first day of her first day of fifth grade, I think. And the teacher greeted them and basically said, "Hi, I'm Mrs. Smith. What's your name? Hi, Amanda. It's nice to meet you. What phone system do you use? Are you on iOS or Android?" Wow. And it's kind of like, "Are you serious?" But because it's just assumed, and so a lot well, of I, your mom just told me the other day mm-hmm. that they've bought iPads for like K through three in this area. Is that what she did said? I think it was. Yeah, right. And okay, the research is pretty clear that younger kids need to be limited in their time using any kind of visual media. Okay. It's not good for their mm-hmm. eye development. It's not good for their brain development. Right. They need to spend more time outside, more time looking at a distance, more time reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, too. I, I'm also reading, because I tend to read a bunch of books at once, I'm also reading a kind of a classic in the genre, Neil Postman's book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And I'm finding it's a much more philosophical, much more thoughtful book than I originally expected. But one of the things he points out is that that the media that we immerse ourselves in is going to going to affect the way that we think. It affects our moral judgments. Yeah. When because th- there's that part of all of us that when we're facing a, a decision, a question, mm-hmm. what do I do? We think, well, what would such and such do? What is, what would our hero do? Right. And if your hero is George Washington or Martin Luther or you know somebody from who has a historical record, that's going to lead you in one direction. If your heroes are all entertainment figures or sports stars or uh, movie actors or something like that, that's going to do it. Yeah. That's going to have an effect on you as well. And, and you know, he, he makes this very good point. He says that the media that you are used to is going to affect your ability to engage certain discussions. Yes. So like, he says, you know, at the time he was writing as TV had pretty much established itself. And he said, you don't realize how much that's changed our public discourse, that now everything has got to be photogenic. It's got to be telegenic, not just well thought out and well presented. It That affected the 1964 election. Of course it did. You know, because John F. Kennedy was very, was very telegenic. Yes. You know, very effective on television. And uh-huh. it began then. It's only gotten more so as it's gone on that, you know, 
we judge people more and more by their appearance, right. by the way they look in a video. Yep. And but I think there's another part of that because mm-hmm. the move to video has reduced the bandwidth of d- the discussion because there's so much involved in the visual that it's reduced how much discussion there can be. Like, for example, yes. I was looking at making a video of one of our blog posts okay. because I felt like it was really effective. It would be good to do that. I realized that if I included everything that we had written yes. in a reasonable amount on the video, the video was going to be crazy long. Right. Uh, yeah. It, because, it, it, you know, it's just, there's not, so much of the of the bandwidth is dedicated toward the visual effects that the words don't get don't have as much play. Well, and see, that's one of the things that Dr. Twangy is bringing out in her recommendations at the end of this book. You know, she's a college professor, and she's saying we really need to move toward we need to embrace multimedia textbooks, textbooks with short paragraphs, limit the long form reading. Which you think. Oh, tempora, oh, mores. What in the world have oh, we goodness. done? They can't see our... me, but my, I've got my hands and my, my head in my hands. I know, but she's... Because... Because what, she said the what, students what, don't what, have an attention span no. anymore. And what we're saying, though, is we're going to dumb it down. They're saying they're going to have to dumb it down because these young people have grown up with so much media immersion that they can't concentrate. They can't process a long piece of writing. Well, okay, so that's one reason that we want to keep our young people minimize our young people's engagement with screens when they're young because we want them to read books we want them to read paragraphs as i say to our kids literally all the time go outside read a book or better yet go outside and read a book (laughs) yeah read a book outside that's that would be great we do that too okay so so you know that that is one thing and one of just a many things to take into account Particularly young, the younger people, they need to be reading. They need to be doing other activities. They don't need to be focused eight inches away on a tiny screen. Now, hey, let's be real. That's hard. I mean, kids that are staring at screens are not much problem to you. No. And I, I fall into that. You know, we're in the van a lot. And it's really tempting. It's really tempting to, to just, park the little zombies in a corner and, and let them let them have <laughs> the iPad to play games or right. watch Netflix or whatever, yeah. rather than doing the harder thing and saying, "Okay, let's all listen to an audiobook," which is still easy. I know, but it's so much better for them. Well, we need to be honest about that when we make those decisions. Don't just drift into it and ignore it. You need to say, "Okay, I am intentionally making this choice." for good and sufficient reasons at this time for this long because sometimes you got to do it sometimes you're in a hospital waiting room and you just got to keep everybody quiet right but a lot of the times we just get lazy i get lazy how i think we're all we all have that tendency we get tired of the argument sure sure and so okay that's yeah so those are things let's be honest about it and let's recognize that sometimes it may be okay just like when you were in school and the teacher was having a really rotten week and she said let's watch a film yes and you know sometimes they would turn on a video or they would turn on a film because that was the best thing they could manage at that time okay yeah that's reality that's the best you can manage. that's fine but let's avoid letting that be our go-to instead mm-hmm. let's Encourage them. Go outside, read a book. You know, let's and they're going to really pitch a fit at first. Well, and see, this is this is one reason that we recommend that you start putting these things in place early on, before yeah. they have a habit and a dependency. 
call it what it is. But, you know, if you say, okay, we're going to regulate this. This is going to be the way we do it in our family. And if you start them up that way, then there's going to be less pushback. They're just yeah. going to accept that, I think, more. Yeah. And and if you start it, okay, you say, hey, well, I missed the boat on my first two kids. Fine. Start it with your younger one. Deal with the pushback on the older ones as you need to, but don't just say, well, it's all lost, because it's not all lost. Okay, so we've said they've <coughs> got to be able mm-hmm. to use this stuff, social media, mm-hmm. online stuff, everything, by the time they're graduating, they've got to. They mm-hmm. don't need this stuff in elementary and middle school that we need to limit it for their development, for their health, for their, for a bunch of reasons. We need to talk about the transition and let's talk about the transition when Mm -hmm. we come back from the break. Okay. Well, for the break, we need to talk about our book. No longer little. need to talk about no longer little. And if you're interested, let me tell you right, right up front, the website to go to is no longer little.com. Yes. Easy as pie okay but there's close to 50 reviews out there you can scroll through find out what other people thought oh it's um, fantastic there's one of my favorite one of these reviewers said this book literally saved my sanity last week <laughs> i love that i thought okay great that says that we're dealing with a felt need in an effective way and that's so encouraging well the one that really encouraged me i was just reading it this morning she mm-hmm. said my child development degree my All my experience teaching middle schoolers didn't help me until I opened this book, which was like the Youngs had been sitting in my house <laughs> or something yes. like that. Yeah, yes. that really we got hear, to me. Well, we hear that a lot, you know, with our webinars and things. People say oftentimes in that first session when we talk about, you know, things that are just typical of this age group, they say, have you been surveilling our house have you got cameras hidden in our home because we just had this conversation today okay so if you have a child mm. 8 to 14 is mm. kind of the range that you know the, the thing is not everybody's the same hormones start at a different age some kids will start this stuff at 8 others not till they're 13 or 14 even in the same family yeah that's why it's a wide range yep. if you've got kids that age i think you'll be glad go out to no longer little.com that's right and that keeps that supports this ministry and it keeps us going especially when you buy it directly from us yes okay so let's talk how about the transition <laughs> okay how do you get from keeping them off of it as much as possible to teaching them to use it okay let's if you, if you want to just say for for discussion say at 10 year olds need to be off it most of the time. They do not need to be on social media. They don't need to have an online presence when they're 10 years old. When they're 20 years old, they need to be all over it. Yeah. They, they need, need to, So how, where where does it swap? Where does it change over? Well, the, the question that I get a lot, Hal, as we're standing at conferences and stuff, is mm-hmm. when do I need to get accountability software? Because right now. Right now, no matter how old your kids are. If you have kids in your house, wait, nope. If you are in your house, you need accountability software. If you have internet capability, you need accountability. You need it because we all need accountability because the temptations have just grown so strong. Yeah. But if you, especially if you have kids, go ahead and get it. There isn't a too young because when Mm -hmm. we first started talking about internet safety, 15, parents of 15, 16 year olds were coming to us saying, my kids saw something they shouldn't. Yeah. Now it's parents of seven and nine, seven to nine year olds and even younger. I know kids who can't read yet, and they're already seeing pornographic videos that nobody should ever see. No, that nobody should be seeing, let alone children who aren't even in grade school yet. Yeah. And yet the stuff's out there. So what can you do? Well, all right. 
there's software packages that will provide accountability, which basically says you can do whatever you want to, but somebody's going to know about it. We're going to track it. And there's software which is blocking and filtering. And really, there's a time for all of that. Yeah, we we use Covenant Eyes. Mm -hmm. And if you use the... um code raising real men all one word when you uh-huh. if you sign up for it you'll get 30 days free and it blesses our ministry a bit too yeah but we've used covenant eyes for many years i like that you can set each person's level individually you can yeah. have you can let your little kids just give them a white list you can mm-hmm. only go here as they get older you can you can you know, use filtering to try to right. control where they go as they get ready to leave home, you know, you can just have accountability. Just tell me if they're somewhere where they should, you know, if they're looking at something horrible. Well, the accountability is there to help you just to kind of give you a little nudge to say, this isn't a secret. Yeah. And it's not perfect. They can still find things, but if they have a problem, you're going to know about it sooner or later. Yeah. And so we really do encourage folks do something and do something right away. Yeah. And if it's not coming on, get something on there right away. If you have kids, a lot. Of, another question I get a lot yeah. is, when shall I let my kids get social media? And I'll tell you the truth. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mostly hear extremes. People who say, my kids won't have social media till they leave my house. And others okay. who say, well, you know, I, I, I let my 10 or 11 year old get it so that they keep up with their cousins. Uh, um, okay. Okay. Let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Mean Girls? Ladies, do you remember the mean girls in middle school? Mm-hmm. The ones who made your life a living misery? Mm-hmm. They're right. on right. social media. And if you would not want the mean girls to follow your daughter home, your daughter doesn't need to be on social media. She's not old enough to handle it. Well, and this is, you know, here's an interesting thing. That's one of the things that Dr. Twain brings out in her book. And one of her theories is the reason you hear things I mean, I read things in the news and I think, that's just crazy talk. People saying that words are violence. She said, you know what? It's This generation doesn't have wrestling matches and fights on the playground anymore. They, they don't do that physically. What they do is they savage each other with words on, on social, social media. media. And, and these kids are sleeping with their phone under their pillow. I mean, they're being beat up around the clock by words. So of course they're afraid of words. Now, uh, that being said, you know, to start with the terms and conditions of most of the social media said nobody under 13. And so if you let your kids get on social media, they're violating the terms of the agreement to begin with. 13 is really (laughs) still too young because I think so. Okay. This, the preteen years, as we talk about no longer little, the preteen years, the early hormones cause a tremendous emotional roller coaster. They're unstable. They're very unstable. And that's just, and that means yeah. bullying is more common. Right. And being really rocked by bullying is more common. Being susceptible to it is yes. very common. And right. so, you know, studies link the early use of social media with depression, yep. serious mental problems. Uh-huh. Even things that are dangerous to our kids' lives. Right. Emotionally. And so we need to, I really strongly recommend that you wait until they're through that emotional upheaval mm-hmm. of the preteens, <laughs> early teens. Yeah. For our kids, 15 or 16 has been about right. 
that's been about right for most of them. And, and <clears throat> moving them, moving them into social media kind of gradually at that age allows you to, to supervise, to monitor and to coach them in it because in a way you can't when they're over 18 and older and when they're out of your house. Well, one of the things that, that we've heard from, from young adults is that because social media is just so ubiquitous that, if they if they meet somebody new and they go out to check the profile on social media and there's nothing out there, that is suspicious. Yeah. Now it's like they're hiding. Now it's like they're phony in some way. And so you almost have to expect a young adult is going to have some sort of social media presence that they update from time to time anyway that says, hey, I'm a real person. Here's something about my real life. This is how you can observe me because people are going to expect that. Now, yes. 15 or 16, if they get started, you know, at a, on a kind of a slow ramp up with social media, that allows you to coach them on this is appropriate to post. This is not really appropriate to post. This can be misunderstood. Well, a lot of times our kids are too innocent to understand how things can be misunderstood. They yeah. say something that has a shocking meaning and they don't even realize it or they post something that can be misunderstood mm-hmm. or they don't realize how the world can misunderstand Things like I remember one of our boys went skeet shooting, yeah, and he posted a picture, and it was a perfectly innocent picture. He was there skeet shooting with, you know, some men of our church, I think it was, and yeah, absolutely nothing wrong or questionable about what he was doing. But you know, somebody could have looked at that and said, "Oh, he's posting pictures of himself with a gun," and freaked out. And so he didn't understand that. And I said, "You know, you're applying to college; it's got to go." I'm sorry. He said, "But it's such a cool picture." I said. Then text it to your friends. Keep, you know? <laughs> keep the picture, but just recognize, yeah. you know, recognize that. I, I think kids, mm-hmm. too, don't realize how public everything is. Yeah. That when you put that something can be seen by friends and friends of friends, yeah. that includes the world. Right. You know, that that can include people on the scholarship committee, future employers. Right. Future in-laws. And so, you know, they need to understand that they've got to have a bit of a PR mindset to handle social media. They've got to understand that, you know, they are projecting a um, an image of themselves. Well, and what they're doing really is, you know, once upon a time, you knew people in your community because you walked past their house. You rode the bus with them. You knew them at church. You interacted with them, you know, just in the community, which you... Um, People just don't do the same way anymore. What they do is they look out online. Yeah. And so what you're doing is you're kind of you're kind of providing an online substitute for the old front porch experience, which yeah. is no longer valid. Right. And you know what? When you were doing that, when you knew that your neighbors were watching, you kind of had a check on your behavior. You you thought to yourself, you know, I don't want to hear about this downtown. So I'm going to be careful what I say out loud in the yard. I'm going to be careful right. what I wear when I when I walk down to the grocery store because people are going to talk. You know, it's super important too, that we teach our children how to watch out for fraud, how to protect themselves from predators and grooming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just read a horrifying description the other day of, of how a young man was grooming a a couple of girls and, and in fact, persuaded them to run away. Mm. And, you know, our, our daughters need to understand our daughters and our sons need to understand that you don't know if you don't know the person in real life, you really have no idea who they really are. And that's that's one of those hard realities, but that's the reality of the world we're in now. And it so is. we need to teach our kids how to protect themselves because you're not going to be present every moment. 
And they need to understand that they need to come get help. That if yeah. somebody's bullying them online, they may be embarrassed to admit the things that there's being that are being said about them, mm-hmm. or they may be mm-hmm. afraid you're going to take away their social media right. if you if they tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to understand. You need to be involved enough with their social media that you know what's going on and that they feel like they can talk to you about it. Okay. And that that comes into something which we talk about a lot. We can't emphasize enough. You've got to maintain a relationship based on trust and respect with your kids. Yeah. And, and because if they don't trust you, they're not going to share with you. And there's a lot of their life that they need advice on that you're not going to run into. And, and this is a critical thing for middle schoolers, for that middle-aged kids, is you need to understand that just because they don't have access to the stuff that you're buying or that or is in your home doesn't mean they don't have access to that stuff. Well, they've got friends who have access, and friends are going to show them stuff really that they shouldn't. Right. I mean, because guess what? I had friends that showed me stuff I shouldn't have seen too when yeah, I was a young here. kid. And and that's you know, it just has changed platforms is all it is. Yeah, and so, so you know, you need to be mm-hmm. teaching them this stuff even before they get internet access. I was talking to our girls about it the other day, Hal. Yeah. Because I thought even though they don't have access to social media, some of their friends do. Yeah. That's true. So well, we've we gotta emphasize to our kids the social media is here, it's a platform, it's it can be a useful tool, but it, it's got its own set of traps and temptations. We got to train them on how to use it wisely, carefully, circumspectly, not with fear, but with a respect for the power of that platform. Well, the thing is, if you wouldn't allow, if your kids are not old enough that they should be allowed to play with any stranger they can meet out in the streets of your town, yeah, then they're not old enough to play massive multiplayer online games. They're not old enough to be involved in social media where they can chat with strangers. Uh-huh. You know, if they're not old enough to protect themselves from the world, they're not old enough to protect themselves from the world. Uh, yeah. Gee. You know, well put there. Sure. You know, I, I really like though when you're deciding in these middle years mm-hmm. how what they get to do online. I love our friend Doug Smith of Simply Charlotte Mason's rule. And what's that? He says. His teens can spend as much time online as they want to as long as they're producing something. So if they're researching a, a term paper or if they're working on a project or... Building something, coding something, designing something, uh-huh. fine. Okay. But their time consuming, like okay. entertainment, is right. very limited. And I really like that. That's a very good distinction. Yeah, I like because that we too. want our kids, as we say in one of the chapters of the book, we want our kids to be producers, not consumers. Okay, well, that I, I can go with that. Um, we have another friend who came up with a pretty interesting solution. She said that one of the ways she reduces the amount of time her kids are spending online is every single night at bedtime, they change the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> and she doesn't give the kids the updated Wi-Fi password until they've shown her they've finished all their schoolwork. Yeah. Okay, now that's... That's good if nobody's got a smartphone. Yeah, <laughs> and if but, but and if even your neighbor's I can't Wi-Fi find is one that's down. not a smartphone anymore, Al. Well, it's kind of tough. I mean, you have to look for them. You know how we are absolutely out of time. I think we uh-huh. need to take some more time and discuss this on another episode because we've okay. got a lot more I'd like to say. Okay. Well, I think that's a good idea, but uh, we do appreciate you being here with us for this episode. 
Again, yes. if you want to find out more about our book, go to nolongerlittle.com and you can read all the reviews there and get links so that you can order your own copy of it. Uh, it's People are finding it really helpful, so we hope that you will come out there and check it out. Um, um, join us everywhere on social media at RaisingRealMen.com. Mm-hmm. You can support this ministry at Patreon.com slash Hal and Melanie. Wonderful place there, too. And... Always check out the check out the other great uh, podcast at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. It's actually the the URL is ultimateradioshow.com, but you find all kinds of different podcasters out there um, on all sorts of different subjects, including us. And if you're just trying to find ours, go out to howandmelanie.com/radio, and that'll take you straight to our show page, and which also includes the show notes. Okay. And all the archives. And links to things we mentioned. That's right. right. So, look, until next time, we do appreciate your time with us, and we hope that you'll join us again as we talk about taking biblical principles and bringing them to life in a 21st century family. Until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web? at halandmelanie.com that's h-a-l-a-n-d m-e-l-a-n-i-e dot com or follow us on social media you can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men this program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical until then thank you and God bless you for listening you